Hello everyone, welcome to an episode of Tipsy in the TP, the show where we clink glasses and talk about everything under the stars. I'm Ver. I'm Moth. And I'm her. Hello everyone and welcome back to this episode of Diat. <laughs> <laughs> So today's uh, topic that we like to discuss is the chase for prestige. So prestige over here, actually, if you look it up on the internet definition, it means that you're perceived as being good at a certain skill or aspect. So like, let's say, for example, if you own a Ferrari or like a Mercedes Benz, then, you know, automatically that means that you have to have excelled at life and been successful in order to get such a fancy car. Okay, uh, I like to ask, but what do you think of this whole concept? To me, it feels like it's so ingrained in our lives that we are not really conscious about that whole concept. Mm-hmm. It's like from, I mean, from the most basic thing like the phone, people will want to have, oh, this brand is good, or this brand is not so great, or this brand is from China, maybe it doesn't perform that well. Yeah. But actually, all phones are made in China. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's really about how one particular brand packages their whole image in order to like influence people to feel their brand is superior than others. So maybe like for phones, people will like use Apple phones or like Samsung phones. But for me, I use Xiaomi phone because I thought that it was quite cheap and then the functions are like quite well built. So mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's something that is so ingrained that we don't really understand what's the actual meaning of it anymore like when you said that definition is that you are perceived as someone good at a skill but it's totally not that meaning anymore so then building on what uh mm. Bur said just now Moss do you find yourself being influenced by what you see online when you're trying to purchase goods such as electronics like what Bur mentioned mm. it feels like we are going back to that episode which one <laughs> of Shopping, uh. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I guess to a certain extent, yes, but also without realizing until I take a step back and like look from the wider view. Because like for instance, when you scroll social media and then there will be like different trends happening. For instance, water bottles, like something there's this like very hip brand that all the spin girls love to use. You just start being like very curious about all these brands. Then you go and Google and then you'll be like, oh, from Australia and then eco-friendly then it just has this I also want it kind of feel after you get this exposure online so when you shop for things also you naturally like this kind of brand recall is higher yeah like what Burr said I also feel like you also don't realise that there's this whole prestige thing certain preference over certain brands because you just it's like we're born into it it's just how society functions for me lah yeah yeah, and then you buy is it? <laughs> the water bottle. Uh, yes, but then the buying <laughs> part, I will try to still find like the best deal, even though it's the same brand, but because there are so many different platforms selling it, so I'll still wait for like a good deal and then I'll pay for it. It's not like, oh, if I see an iPhone, it's like 1.8k, then I'll be like, okay, I'm going to buy it because it's an iPhone, but I'll still wait for sale, like maybe 20% off, then I'll buy it. So yeah, not so hardcore. Mm. But does the value lie in that um, you see iPhone has having a certain status and you want to associate yourself with it? Mm, for iPhone, it's different for me, I guess. Okay, maybe at the start, when I first got my first iPhone, that was because like everyone wanted an iPhone. I think that was back in secondary school. So yeah, that was mostly influenced by Prestige. 
But then now I just keep using the same brand because it's just very intuitive to me now. And all my devices are Apple, so stuck in the ecosystem, and I I very happy in it. So I don't want to get out. Wow. <laughs> so I guess we need to put a disclaimer here: not sponsored. Not sponsored. But if you want to, please reach out to <laughs> us. <laughs> <laughs> I think they will never, but okay. <laughs> Can do product review and return your product. <laughs> <laughs> so if I were to bring another facet of prestige into this conversation about jobs. So when you are looking for an employer, what matters most to you and is prestige even a part of, even a factor? Job, mm. uh. I feel like yeah. maybe for certain industries, this is more relevant. The chase for prestigious jobs, like the finance sector maybe. And recall some of my friends who studied finance-related courses, they have in mind like which are the top companies to get into after graduating. Mm-hmm. And then there's already like this ranking already like in that industry. And if you get into the top field, it means you are great at what you are doing lah. Mm, but for some industries, I think it's more flexible and more up to your personal preference and your passion. Huh, interesting. Does that mean passion and prestige are on opposite ends of a scale? Yeah, <laughs> hey, that's an interesting point. But I think to some extent, when you are trying to apply for a job, well, you definitely go and search out the name first. Like how big is this company? How well known is it? And Wow, it's well known then that means when you are moving on to something else you will definitely look better than probably other smaller brands as we have said about so mm, that yeah. sort of like paints a positive image of yourself since you're like hey I managed to you know strive hard in this company that means that I'll probably do well in your company as well mm. yeah like, I think I I am guilty of doing that. Like, every time I see bigger brands, will be like, maybe it's better working environment. And maybe if they are MNC, then they'll have more benefits and all. I think to some extent, it is true. But also, it doesn't really portray, like, how the work culture is or how it will suit you as well if you really go and, like, find research on, like, Glassdoor or whatever. And then it reflects something very different from the brand itself. Because the brand is just a brand, uh, but it doesn't reflect the people. Uh. To me, I read it slightly differently. Is that when you see like a bigger brand, it kind of gives you a perception already compared mm. to one that you've never heard of before. And then like, you know, in your mind, is a little bit of element of like minimized risk because like the brand has already made it this far. It's already very well established. Inherently, you would believe that, you know, it's a company that is very well run or very sustainable and it has already found its footing in the industry that it's in. So if you were to go there, you know, there's less chances of ending up with a place that mm. I guess that will treat you like will have a more hostile working environment mm. or something. Yeah, but this might take that. You know what? <laughs> In another way, don't you think that some brands are like so good? Like everybody knows about this brand. Like for example, like mm. uh, you, Google, YouTube, Disney, yeah. that kind. I knew we were going to say Google somehow. Yeah, it's going there. It's going there. But not, not saying that, disclaimer, not saying that Google is not good or anything. But it's mm. because these brands are doing so well. Anytime they get rid of someone from their employees, they are so easy to get someone back in. There's mm, always someone new that wants to come into their company. So it's more of like everybody is applying to their company. You only know about how great or how bad their company <laughs> is when you really go in. So, I mean, 
in terms of how long they survive, yeah lah, maybe from the start, it started out very, very humbly. Like, this founder, he mm. did some really good stuff, and then he really start from, like, one-person company become very, very big company. But I don't think it's really quite reflective of how the company advances through the years, because things might change, so the way they do things also might change. So, yeah mm. lah. I mean, back to prestige. Sometimes I feel like we are just chasing things that are made up, things that are just a facade. It's all an illusion. Yeah, it is all an illusion. Ma. That's why when you're trying to like find jobs, it's just when you're not desperate to find a job, you would be like, this company, wow, the name very good, uh, like that. Then you think a while. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Let's just cut this out. <laughs> Let's uh, deviate away from jobs and go back to much, much earlier, before any of us either considered jobs, which is education. This brings to mind a particular Netflix documentary that we caught. It's called Operation Varsity Blues, detailing about how in the US, the need or the compulsion to land your kids in a really prestigious Ivy League college is like pushing parents to go through what the documentary terms as a side door, if I remember right. Yeah, so it's something that uh, all of us enjoyed, right, this documentary. And I'm very curious to find out what you guys think and yeah, how you perceive it. The whole documentary just felt very wrong. It's so transactional, like, even though they're just going against the law, but the way they deal with it is, oh, this is a business. You pay me money and then I'll just get the job done. And then nobody will even know about it and we'll both get what we want. But then at the same time, it's also not surprising because the Ivy League College... I'm not very familiar with, like, the American education system or landscape, but from the documentary, it seems no matter how hard you study, you might still not get into your dream school. And I guess that's why, like, rich people are kind of, like, they have the power to, like, actually do something about it to guarantee a slot for their child. Yeah. So I think there's also a problem with the system in the first place, uh. Doesn't mean that only these top few colleges provide quality education. There are a lot more schools out there and they can also bring out a lot of talents and nurture like undergraduates. So it's just like a very mixed feeling after you watch. And then there's also kind of like no closure because yeah. nothing really happened to that guy, right? He was like let out. Yeah, and he didn't comment about it. So you just feel like he has some like personality <laughs> issue or so. Maybe it's his ego. <laughs> Yeah, but also it kind of like spark an interest. Why would someone do this? You want to like find out more about the guy? He just wants money. Okay, I, I heard like he upgraded his house and his car, but then he still has a very strict routine. Mm. Every day he goes swimming at 4am, then he will work until 12am. Just like, why do people do this? Like, why do they live their life like that? Maybe he thinks that what he has been doing is inherently correct. It's just a transactional thing, like you said. Mm. I mean, the whole story why he was the main character of this documentary mm. was that he came up with a unique way of getting their kids into the colleges that they want by a mm. transactional amount of money. And that amount of money is way less than if the parents decide to donate to the college directly. Mm. That was like, what, yeah. three, four times or five times less money, even though it's still in the millions mm. lah. But you need to donate at least 10 million to be considered mm. into the college as a donor kind of guarantee. But through this guy, which I forgot his name, 
he only need to give like one million or something. So yeah, maybe he's thinking like, you know, I'm just making connections. I'm doing great, casting some light on the sports teams that are not doing really well mm. in their college. It's all like non-mainstream mm. sports where he gets the guarantees for the children to go in. Ma. His whole facade was some foundation where he said that, oh, I can get your kids better education. And that was the service that he was promising the parents to have. Ma. But I mean, because in USA, they have so many colleges, there are bound to be some that are like way prestigious than others. For Singapore, we only have that few and we already have that problem. I mean. <laughs> mm, yeah. So this whole idea of prestige, it didn't form like your poly choice decisions as much as it was about choosing the course that you wanted to go. But what about for like university or even like when you were younger in... Uh, secondary or primary school? Okay, for university, definitely it affects. I think personally, uh, any parent would want their child to get into either NUS or NTU. And that is quite apparent for Singapore because Singapore only has that five unis. Uh. And NTU and NUS is like mm. the one with longer history, has been here for so many years already. So they would want their child to get in. Since for our degree is quite specialised, maybe we should look at other degrees like engineering or like sciences. Mm. Those are available like almost mm. in every uni. But why the need to go into NTU and NUS? It's really just reputation. Mm. But if you think about it, uh, now we are working already. Uh, no one really see where your uni come from. Because eh? like <laughs> we just had a intern uh, that came in. Uh. Even though it's like interviewing for intern, uh, then background is not that important. Uh, but it's really after you start working or who cares what, what you get for your O level? <laughs> who, who cares hey, what you know what you get for your PSLE? <laughs> Cause my previous company, right? They actually asked the interviewees for their O level scores. Eh. What? Can you believe that? Yeah. So actually Why? <laughs> it's very like irrelevant, right? Like because I had a friend who came into the company. So I was asking her, oh, how did the interview process go? And then she was like, she asked me, like, what is my A-level score? Then after she asked me, what about O-level? But that's eight years ago, like, why does she care? Who cares whether you got a B for E-math? Yeah, but I think <laughs> yeah, some people are just weird, but... <laughs> I, I got A1 for both E-math and A-math, and now I can't math. <laughs> yeah, I can't do yeah. either, so it's, like, really irrelevant. Yeah. But I think if you are unlucky enough to meet companies or, like, hiring managers like this... Even if you did like badly in O level, but you did okay in uni, and I feel like the O level grade will still have a make them think twice about hiring you. You know, like really? even though to us it really doesn't matter anymore. Serious? Yeah, because like why would she ask that in the Maybe first place? Maybe she wants to see contrast how much you improve. Yeah, okay, but but don't you think like uh, nowadays when you go onto forums like yasuparents.com, why are you even there? <laughs> no, no, I have to tell you. <laughs> I have to tell you that this came up in conversation with my colleague who okay. is a young father. Oh. And then this person was really telling me all about his wife's obsession with Gasu Parents Forum. And then telling him that, you know, we need to properly plan for our child in order not to lose out, in order to, like, you know, set them up for success, that kind of thing. Really, it makes you wonder about, like, whether the kid's going to have a proper childhood. Actually, in primary school also, uh, those popular primary school, uh, we call Ming Xiao. Uh. Don't know why it's called in English. 
people will actually ballot for it. And then parents, mm. isn't it just prestigious? It's just prestige, huh? Yeah, well, prestigious. It's just word of mouth that they produce a lot of good results for PSLE. Oh. And then parents will actually go and volunteer for their children so that they get a spot. If not, they will have to ballot because oh, there are too many people who are applying to their school. Oh. Which is why the government is trying to like eradicate mm. all that, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, this type of thing, it won't change overnight, what? Yeah. But then again, you also think about the policies in the US, the no child left behind, and then you really question whether that's the case. Actually, even in dog breeds, right, got free stitch also. Like, this is purebred, so she's like yeah. a champion purebred dog that my uncle is very proud of when he gave me. But I think in Singapore, actually, people prefer mixed breed, right? There's more mixed breed dogs here. Oh, ah, yeah, that's quite a lot. But yeah. I think in Taiwan, the scene is very different. It's all about purebreds. Like, you know, they would trade sperms of the dogs. Man. Fun fact. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. But how did he get the sperm? Easy lah. I think, like, I don't know, man. I don't think that'll be hard. Tell the dog to hum something. <laughs> I don't know, eh, probably. Or can you, like, extract using some syringe? I'm not sure. Not a scientist. Syringe just sounds painful. You see, free stitch causing all these weird practices. Poor animals. They're all the same, but go just go, right? <laughs> Now, I was asking whether uh, any of you guys were in a fancy or a neighbourhood school. I mm. was in a neighbourhood school for sure. Because I just went to the school opposite my house. <laughs> <laughs> and I got in fine. Don't need to ballot on. Same. Because within the, what, 8km radius, is it? How, how big is it? Yeah, I think they give, like, priority to kids that live nearby. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think that's how I got into my primary school also. I don't know whether it's considered super neighborhood, but I think very average. I also realized developers, they are riding on this trend to sell their condos. For instance, because I was working for a real estate yeah. company, and then I went to take a look at other like developers, how they sell their condo. Then a lot of them will link it to, oh, being a prime neighborhood that is close to prestigious schools. Yeah, that's always like a selling point for them. Yeah, they will always say like, only walk, let's say, one kilometer or ten minutes to whatever school it is. Or like how many schools in the area that are considered prestigious. Like Bukitima or like Bishan area, there's a lot, right? Especially. Yeah, but then, you know, like growing up, the whole concept of like going for tuition is like so normal. It's like after school, you will go for all of your enrichment classes, learn materials that are supposed to be taught to them, like let's say two or three grades later. They already kind of like try and one-up their peers by being so advanced that, you know, it makes you wonder whether school is even serving its purpose anymore if people are trying to game the system. It's just a vicious cycle, don't you think? That's why they ask their kids to go into tuition. Then after they go into tuition, they have their good results. Then they get into that school. And the good results is what makes the school prestigious. Then the younger kids, they do the same thing again. Mm. So it's like, when will we end, man? <laughs> yeah. I think the cost here is like self-esteem, man. Like you see it increasingly frequent in like little kids. Their esteem is tied to the score on their papers or like the numbers on their report card. Not sure whether you guys agree. Uh, parents are really worried about results, eh? I have colleagues that have kids mm-hmm. and they are already worrying about yeah. PSLE. When I hear about that, I feel so like, is that the only thing you can worry about for your kids at this point of time? Why? What else should they be worrying about? I Mental health. <laughs> uh, 
It's like back when I said there was this classmate I had that was always crying over his results on the payphone. Remember? <laughs> oh yeah. Just like your child at that mm. point of time, he only re- worry about results because that's the only way that he can gain recognition from his parents and that's how the parents actually evaluate him as according mm. to the system. Yeah. It's really very sad. Uh. I think they are ch- trying to change PSLE into somewhat similar to O-levels. But I don't think that's gonna like take away the fact that results is still something that is very ingrained in the parents' mm. mind really. Mm. For good result, I must give my children tuition. Mm. They must do tuition, tuition, tuition. They must do a lot of things to get their results. Well, then the children, mm. it's like, I don't want to study, then how? Mm. I don't know, it's, it's really sad. <laughs> this reminds me of, okay, because my sister, she studied in a very prestigious junior college. And she said like, on results day, when they got their A-level scores, right? The teachers all stood at the railings uh, to prevent like students from like taking their own lives if they <gasps> didn't get good scores. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. I don't know if this is factually correct, but it seems like every year, because the cohort is very big, actually intake of these prestigious JCs, right? Their batches are huge. It's not uncommon to hear like news of someone committing suicide because of their results in such places. But I'm not sure like how factually true is that. Like, I just hear from her like she say, oh somebody, someone from another class did this or like that's the impression I have of all these like top prestigious JCs. That's ridiculous. Mm. I was gonna talk about it also. I had a primary school classmate that took his life when I was really young, and that was I think in primary five. PSLE was like looming around the corner. I mean, of course, didn't know exactly why he chose to do that which was like a jump out of the window, if I remember right. But I remember when I was super young and then I had zero concept of taking my life, even understanding why he would want to do so. I just know that it was a bad thing. It's kind of like a, you know, like very sing-swan that uh, all of the kids, they are attaching their self-worth to whether Mm. they are perceived as someone who is, you know, doing well in school or their grades, yeah. I was in like the top class in my sec 3 and sec 4. So it's like you already have an expectation from the school itself that you should be performing better than other schoolmates rather. So I think there was this guy in my class that he almost took his own life. A few of my male classmates had to like hold him back because he was almost over the railing really. His whole mental condition wasn't doing very well in sec 4. We actually had sort of like a task force to keep him in check so that to make sure that he doesn't do anything out of the blue. Mm. They managed to stop him in time, but he wasn't doing well. And then he, he didn't come to school for a few months, if I recall correctly. It is a real problem. If you think about it, it's really image. Oh. It stems from getting into prestigious schools. It stems from like the image of this facade that we have been chasing since you just turn seven and you are suddenly thrown into the primary school system. Mm. Mm. Totally unreasonable, I think. I don't know, man. I just had such a culture shock when my colleague just tell me like straight up saying that this other colleague is so worried about her son's PSLE. Maybe we are so in such different phases of life that I'm like, why should you be worrying about it? Let let him just have fun, I mean. 
if he doesn't do well in PSLE, so what? So he's going to end up in a bad school, he's going to get arrested, he's going to get mixed up in the bad company. <laughs> I think that's, that's <laughs> what parents think. Uh. I don't know. I turned out fine. I didn't go to tuition. I didn't go to a prestigious primary school. Me too. <laughs> I did have like a little bit of tuition in primary six, I think. And that was it. I think I had tuition in sec four because I was flunking physics. Like I got bottom of the whole cohort, that kind. Then <laughs> I was like, hey, maybe I should sign up for tuition. <laughs> I remember on the day of O-levels, I thought I did so well. And then I was like not the greatest in my class when I got my results. And I was so mm. sad about it. Even went home to cry and all. Then now I go back and see my results. I'm actually way better than some people that you I know. You got two like. A1s for math already. Like. Why are you even sad? <laughs> but my classmates are like getting nine A1s. Xiao. That kind of people. La. Yeah, and I got a D7. <laughs> <laughs> So, I knew that I wanted to go into poly, like I said, because there was this specific course that I went, wanted to get in, and I did a bit of research on it. Then I remember in math class, my math teacher just said, I believe no one is going into poly, right? Mm. In front of everybody. So, JC is the more prestigious choice. La. Poly it's is people not. like her that perpetuates this whole issue, la, don't you think? And yeah. she is someone who's an educator and yeah. she herself telling her students such things. Eh. So you can't blame the students for thinking that one is better than the other. It's a he la, just putting it out there. <laughs> you know who you are <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> and then I'm quite sure like after he said that, you didn't felt that good, right? Because in your mind, you already knew that you wanted to go there. And then the way he said it, it's like, oh, it's not a good choice. Yeah. Or like it's an obvious choice that one is better than the other. Yeah, like, why would you even consider that other choice? Yeah. I think my parents also, they wanted me to go into JC, but they didn't say anything. Every time I chose anything, they don't really have that much of, like, no, you cannot go into poly, that kind. They let me choose all my choices. Mm. So nice. I fought with them. Oh, really? Yeah, I fought with them after high school to get into uni. Yeah. Oh, wow. Why? Huh? Because it's not a socially acceptable course, ma. Like, it's not something that can guarantee you a bright future and all that. Yeah, like, it's not safe. Oh, so they wanted you to study what kind? I was getting a huge push to do finance, business. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. But I was like, nope. Oh, you would have turned out like those mm. people who went for the top few companies in the oh financial gosh. sector. Yeah, maybe I'll have been like aged 30 years by now. <laughs> But I think when I was still studying in poly, uh, my parents see how much effort I have to put in. Because uh. also like a lot of editing and shit. Uh. And that's why you became our editor. Hashtag passion. I think my mom was telling my sister, you see like your sister know how to study so hard. They, she don't want to go JC, she want to go poly. That kind of thing. In society, the JC versus poly debate is still there. People in older generations still think JC is like the way to go. Even though I wanted to do something that I like. And you know, after poly, you get a diploma. So by right, yeah. you don't need to go uni. You can start working with it. Mm. But if JC people, you get A-level, you come out, you cannot do anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like, uh, this debate will go on forever, yeah. man. The JC versus poly <laughs> Yeah, it will go on forever. For myself, I in- definitely internalized my parents' biases as to like which path is more prestigious, what I should do, which one I want, which is why the rebellion only came in after I turned 17, 18. 
just this morning, right, I was having a conversation with my sister and then she said that she's still struggling to this day that actually it's just my mom. My mom's inherent bias that NUS is definitely better than NTU. Oh, wow. Should have pushed my sister to accept the offer from one uni rather than the other. But was it a different course? One's computer science, one is AI, ma. Wow, NUS computer science is quite prestigious, right? See, it's word of mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't really know. Yeah, but it's just like everyone says the same thing, so you start to believe that too. Yeah, but ultimately, like, you know, computer science and AI are different disciplines also. Like, Mm. what the opportunities that are available to you are also very different. I don't know whether prestige plays like uh, an equally important role as compared to like the skills that you want to have in order to pursue what you want after. Mm. I would say any type of choices you make already don't regret lah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you make already, of course you'll be like, ah yeah, I should have chose that. Ah yeah, I should have gone this path. But ultimately. I always have the belief of you have to try it in order to sort of evaluate what's good for mm. yourself. La. Don't think of it as wasted time. Because I do have friends who like, you know, they go JC, they were like, I don't like it. And then they actually switch to poly. Or if they go poly, they didn't mm. like it. And then they switch back to JC. Whenever I hear people saying like, ah yeah, they wasted so many years. I don't see it as wasted time. I see it as they figure out that they don't like what they are doing. That's why they change, ma. Mm. Mm. Yeah, lor, it really depends on what you want, lor. But I also don't know what I want, lah. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you feel like, okay, let's have two different persons, for instance. Person A chose prestige over passion. A few years down the road, like, this person is working in some big consultancy firm. I feel like there are higher chances of him regretting choosing this path as compared to, for instance, person B who chose what he likes over pre- what is prestigious. Do you think so? You won't regret choosing something that you like over the, the so-called correct path to go on. I don't know about that. Then. Essentially, like, if you follow your heart, it... Oh my god, that's so cliche. Forget it. Please cut me <laughs> No, it's okay. <laughs> I think uh, it really depends on your priorities. Because if he really thinks the prestigious mm. organisation will do me good in the long run, then you have to respect that person's mm. choice. Because maybe to that person, passion is not that important. Prestige is more important and he chose to chase prestige, then that's what he has to stick with. Lah. Then, like what I said, I mean, a few years down the road, you may think that he's unhappy, then after that, maybe that's when he has to make a choice. Do I need to switch back to what I'm passionate about? But actually, sometimes, in a way, like, if you manage to secure a very prestigious job, and even if your passion doesn't lie in that job, your job might still enable you to have the financial means to pursue what you like outside of it. If it's a balanced kind of thing, it's fine. That's why we are doing our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Do I have the financial freedom to do this? Back to that situation. I want to hear what her has to say because I say a lot already. I think not necessarily that someone who chooses prestige over passion might end up regretting. Maybe something that you had an idea you'll be interested in, you realise that actually you don't. Or it can be the other way around when you perceive Mm. it's something that really deviates from your passions, your interests. And then you end up, you know, getting good at it. And because you're good at it, you end up liking it a Mm. bit more. For me, I think it's very hard to make kind of like a demarcation whether I believe one person would have a more sustainable career over the other. 
because you know you you might mm. have a very strong interest in something and then you decide to pursue it but as Burr said might not give you the financial freedom or security that you want or rather you feel like you have this like dreamy image of I love this I want to pursue this then after yes, that yes. you realise that actually it doesn't really suit me eh. <laughs> this illusionment it's just an illusion <laughs> if not how I mean you tried it then if not just move on to the next thing which makes me think like why do those employees at Google leave Google must also be a reason it's just really about personal priorities and all yeah 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 I agree with you I believe that it's usually a matter about fit whether they align with what you want so even if the company might be really good but it's not something you want at this certain point in time then you are well within your rights to decide whether you want to stay or go so I think a very big reason why we chase for prestige I mean we have talked so much about it maybe it's because people are uncertain of their futures and I think her mentioned that if we are talking about job hunting uh, these type of companies they have been here for so long and then that's why you go for these type of prestigious companies is soft. they know what they're doing yeah they know what they're doing that kind of thing if you're talking about like brands that as consumers is also like you know if I go for another brand that I'm not sure if the quality is that good but if I go for a brand like Apple I'll know that even if their devices break down like every two years at least it will last me for that two years <laughs> but sometimes I think this can be like kind of dangerous thinking because uh, mm. there's this fear of uncertainty in there and then I think the moment you step foot into this kind of more comfortable environment, you just cling on to this whole idea that you are in a very prestigious place and you shouldn't leave it ever. You shouldn't ever downgrade. And Mm. that's when you become a bit more complacent and you are more afraid of change, I think, even if it's good change. So like you rather miss opportunities to trying new things and maybe it'll be a more hopeful situation. Like in terms of jobs, maybe you might miss an opportunity to have something that suits you more as compared to what you are doing currently or like if we were talking about schools, uh, people will just follow the formula of going to JC, get their A-level, going to uni. Mm. Maybe they would have done better at poly. People mm. who decided to go into poly, then maybe they would have done better in a situation in JC where you had to study books and stuff. No? Yeah, why do we actually chase for prestige? Bringing it back. Because so many people are telling <laughs> us it's the right thing to do. And also, we don't really realize it all. It's like very easy mm. to be swayed by prestige if you're on the fence, you're unsure. You just go with the flow. Then that's when you use prestige to mm. decide, right? It's usually something that you're familiar with. You have exposure to the names of prestigious brands or firms throughout your life. Lah. So, like what her said, because they've been around, then it's like the safer choice when you don't know what choice to make in the first place. So, what's the conclusion? Do you think the younger generation after us, whether they will kang kai dian, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's good that we are having this conversation already, yeah. Actually, I really do think so, leh, because I mm. perceive that the next generation, actually, I'm quite optimistic about them because they grow up in an age where, you know, one Reddit thread can boost your GameStop shares up into, like, some super <laughs> ridiculous prices. They know that information is power and they know that, you know, if they want something, like, research is really key. They will be very different from all of the anti-WhatsApp chats that we see that, you know, to ward off COVID, you need to do all of your 
I don't know what. You need to eat more antioxidants or something. You need I have to no eat idea. garlic. Yeah, they definitely you would have more. You need to eat garlic. Yeah, oh, like oh, it's garlic. About. Sorry. But they will definitely be better able to, you know, like call your bullshit, I think. Mm. They'll be able to call you out on whether you're selling them an idea, like trying to sway how they're thinking or you actually have some truth to your words. Being woke. <laughs> <laughs> The, be woke stay woke the woke generation is coming okay stay woke guys goodbye <laughs>